He is a Denver native born of Denver natives. A former Denver chief deputy district attorney, he is now an active Colorado trial lawyer. Bright, independent, and full of fun, he has been part of the media for decades. This is The Craig Silverman Show. What a world, what a life, what a day. Saturday, December 16, 2023. That's right. It's a big day, big day for me. It's my birthday every year on December 16th, just like it's the anniversary of the Boston Tea Party. And I believe Beethoven was born then as well. Some other bright people, including Philip K. Dick, Bill Hicks, I could go on, but Enough about me, let's talk about my great guest, Brian Stelter. He wrote Network of Lies, which is about Fox News and the way they've screwed up America. Brian Stelter ought to know he's been covering cable news his whole career. Then he had the best Sunday show, Reliable Sources. And uh, that's off the air now. Really unfortunate, and we talk about why, but... Brian's not that forthcoming about that topic. I think he might still be getting paid by CNN, but it's nice to go out on good terms. Brian Stelter's on good terms with CNN, not so much with Fox News, because he keeps writing about them. He wrote the book Hoax. He's been a guest before, and then I was a guest on his show. That was most memorable to me. I had never met Brian Stelter, but then I got axed at KNUS mid-sentence. I was talking about Roy Cohn, that devious attorney for Donald Trump, and all the trouble he caused, and Roger Stone, when my mic got cut as I was excoriating the president, and that made national news. I went home, told my youngest son, hey, your dad just got fired. He said, okay, I think he went back to his video game. That's okay, he was young, and he knew I was resilient. I got a call while I was sitting on the couch from a bunch of news outlets, but I got a DM from Brian Stelter because I followed him, and then he followed me back. Next thing you know, we were talking on the phone, and I was on reliable sources on an amazing Sunday for me. The Broncos were playing like they are this Saturday, December 16th, but that was a Sunday, and I know they were in Minnesota because it's one of the few Bronco games that I've not watched contemporaneous to the playing. I know they took a lead, they blew a lead, but I was doing interviews all morning, starting with Brian Stelter on CNN, and I had to get up early for live TV. And afterwards... Various people led by Randy Corcoran and uh, Kirk Woodland, who turned out to be a neo-Nazi, said, hey, Craig had it set up with Stelter. He was wearing the fancy blue suit the day before when he got terminated and his mic got cut, which wasn't true. They just made it up and they went on and lied about that. I remind Brian Stelter of that occasion, but I did look good in this video clip, which is in the show notes, and I'm going to let you hear it now. Big moment for me. I just got my mic cut. I'm on the front page of the Drudge Report. 
I'm being interviewed by Brian Stelter on CNN International TV early on a Sunday morning after losing my job, and I think I did pretty darn good because it stands up. It's the truth. It's what I thought at the time, and it's not so much when you are covering things as a media outlet, a radio station, or uh, Fox News. It's just like this Giuliani verdict where he got slammed for up to $150 million for disparaging Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss. Now, Fox News really isn't covering it. And I know where I used to work, Denver Trump Radio, they're not covering it at all. But it's important because it was part of the big lie, and Donald Trump said the same thing. And I started calling out Donald Trump while I was on Denver Trump Radio till I got dumped. And before then, I got froze out. People didn't want to have me on their shows. And that's the way I got paid. So other people wanted to talk to me. And I wanted to talk about these monumental mega events in our lifetime, this upheaval. I was going to speak out, and I have spoken out. And I did it on CNN on November 17, 2019, with my guest today, Brian Stelter, Give a three-and-a-half-minute listen to this, and then I'll tell you about the rest of the show. Brian Stelter, our troubadour Dave Gunders, just give a listen. I want to talk about Rudy Giuliani more, too. Craig Silverman's with me now from Denver. Craig, so you were cut off, you believe, because you were criticizing the president? Well, it's a little more complicated than that. I wrote a column expressing frustration about the things you were just speaking about. The unwillingness or inability of, well, about my colleagues would not address this impeachment hearing. They would not address the facts. And I wanted to do that. Three hours every Saturday, I was covering the case. I had other media opportunities. I'm an independent contractor with Salem. And I took those. They were frustrated about that. I was frustrated Mm. that we couldn't talk about the facts of the impeachment case. And it all came to a head as I was excoriating Donald Trump on my show yesterday. But who was saying that you couldn't talk about the facts of the case, about the impeachment? Well, look, every host makes a decision about the content of their show. When you try to have a discussion, you come into words like sham, hoax, or let's talk about Horowitz, Huber, or Durham. I said, that's interesting. You can get plenty of that elsewhere. But on my show, we're going to talk about Ukraine and this impeachment hearing and the facts and what the president is saying that does not add up. The president's on Twitter, of course, saying the impeachment's fake and all of that. There has been this attempt to, to ignore the story, I think, among some radio hosts. Look, we're living in a world where in the New York Times, impeachment is a six-column banner headline. And then you listen to the radio, and impeachment is boring and, and unimportant and doesn't matter. It sounds like you were resisting that effort to downplay the importance of this historic event. Absolutely. I thought Taylor and Kent were great. They laid a base. I'm a trial attorney. I'm a former prosecutor. I know how to put on a case. And then Maria Yovanovitch, she inspired me. She was an outstanding witness. But if nobody on radio talks about it, how are the American people going to understand? So what's that about? What do you think that that, that sort of attempt to to put on the earmuffs is all about in in right-wing radio? I think they take their cues from the president, Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity. They're the biggest talkers at Salem, Hugh Hewitt, Dennis Prager. 
I'm surprised they don't want to ad address the facts of this important and consequential matter. And then the President of the United States has indicated certain words that need to be used. Every week on my show for the five plus years it was on, I give an award for best call of the week. I've given it for about six straight weeks to the president and his perfect call. He keeps wanting <laughs> hosts and American people to say, it's a perfect call. And I make fun of that because it wasn't a perfect call. This is not a hoax. It's not a sham. And I'm really disturbed by words that could lead to violence like coup or civil war. Come on, people. Let's just analyze the facts. Mm. So I've reached out to Salem Radio. I asked for comment at like 3 in the morning. I haven't heard back. Have you heard anything from your former bosses? No. I mean, it was pretty startling while I'm talking about the association of Donald Trump, Paul Manafort, Roger Stone, Roy Cohn. Right while I was making my points about that, the show went dark. The program director came in and said, you're done. I want to talk about these things, and thanks for the opportunity to do it here. I'm sure I'll find another forum. You know, uh, they have my email address if they want to get back to me for comment. In the meantime, Craig, thank you so much. Best of luck with what you do next. My pleasure. Check out what I look like on the show notes. Because Brian Stelter lost his job, I had a little trouble finding video clip, but I have great assistance on this podcast. And we found it. I thought it's really cool that Brian Stelter, when I asked him about artificial intelligence, he was all over the latest news story. As you will hear, we talk about will Trump cheat? And in appearance, he already has. One of his surrogates has posted a deep fake video of NBC reporter Garrett Hake ostensibly covering the last Republican debate, but then he goes off as you will hear. And now NBC has demanded that the Trump campaign take it down, but they won't do it. This is a test case. Hear what we end up talking about with my great guest, Brian Stelter. Give a listen to this. It starts out normal and excuse the language as it kind of spins out of control. And welcome to a special edition of Meet the Press Now, coming to you live from beautiful Miami, Florida, as we count down to the third Republican presidential debate hosted by NBC News. I'm Garrett Hake, live from our NBC News debate hall spin room, where we are just hours away from five Republican candidates taking the stage. Tonight, it's arguably a game of survival, as the field faces major questions about the state of their own campaigns and the state of this race, with frontrunner Donald Trump maintaining his commanding lead and once again skipping the contest. This is Ron DeSantis, an establishment rhino that wears insoles in his boots in order to look taller, and this is Nikki Haley. Nobody really gives a shit about Nikki Haley. This guy is probably just a stagehand. Who the fuck invited this guy? And this guy is probably just delivering pizzas. Anyway, nobody cares about these bullshit rhino debates, especially when you know that Donald Trump is going to kick some ass tonight. Now, I do think it's important for you to hear a couple of other things, because I'm an attorney who once admired Rudy Giuliani, a liberal Republican, a guy who defied the mold. He was pro-choice, pro-gay rights. He managed to work it out in New York City, and he had a great reputation as a prosecutor. But now we know he is a flawed man, and I don't think it's just a symptom of old age. He's corrupt. He's willing to do whatever. He's got that authoritarian personality 
that Pitch tried in with MAGA, and now he got slapped for $148 million for defaming Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss, two election workers down in Georgia. And Donald Trump did the same thing in that Rappensperger call. It's ridiculous, but nobody did it like Giuliani. Persistently, he ran down these women in the most racist ways. Hey, they're exchanging flash drives like they're hard drugs. Well, here's a good bit of sound, which shows you how stupid Giuliani is. And most bigots are stupid, especially as they get older and they're not getting smarter. And he goes to the trial, and after the first day, when it's already been conceded that there's no truth to the rumor that these women did anything to distort votes, he comes out of the courthouse and says, everything I told the public was true. Every damn word of it. And uh, he reaffirms his defamation when the defense strategy is, hey, cut him a break. He's not going to do it anymore, but he just did it again. And the jury was not going to like it. And after he makes that statement from Monday, listen to all the things he had said before were true about these women and realize what the jury heard that made them mad. Everything I said about them is true. Ruby Freeman and Shay Freeman Moss and one other gentleman, quite obviously, surreptitiously passing around USB ports as if they're vials of heroin or cocaine. What was your mom actually handing you on that video? A ginger mint. Their places of work, their homes should have been searched for evidence of ballots. The Fulton County uh, allegations were, had no merit. The, the, the ballots under the table uh, were legitimate ba ballots. They weren't in a suitcase. They are engaged in surreptitious illegal activity. I've lost my name and I've lost my reputation. I've lost my sense of security. It's affected my life in a, in a major way, all because of lies. You regret what you did to Sh Ruby? Of course Sh I don't regret. I told the truth. So now you have Rudy Giuliani coming out of a courtroom with a devastating award of $148 million against him, and he's acting like he doesn't care, still wearing a nice suit, acting like he's still a licensed lawyer, which thankfully he is not. And he got Jenna Ellis involved, or she got herself involved with Rudy Giuliani, and now there's going to be further action against her law license. And I warned you, Jenna Ellis, back in December of when was it? 2020, December 7, 2020. I warned her not to keep going down this road that it could end up in jail, disbarment. Rudy Giuliani, he made excuses after the verdict. He said he was afraid to go to jail himself. Well, get ready, Rudy. He said that Judge Howe might hold him in contempt if he persisted in that line that everything he said was true. So he spun the verdict this way, right after it came down Friday afternoon. Um, we're looking at Rudy Giuliani here. We're going to listen, by the way, uh, John, if you don't mind, if he says anything. Can we, is there a mic there, guys? Let's see. Now I have to analyze this. Obviously, possibly we'll move for a new trial. Certainly we'll appeal. The absurdity of the number merely underscores the absurdity of the entire proceeding where I've not been allowed to offer one single piece of evidence in defense, of which I have a lot. So I am quite confident when this case gets before a fair tribunal, 
It'll be reversed so quickly that it'll make your head spin. And the absurd number that just came in will help that, actually. Why did you choose not right, to testify? Why do you think it was unfair? Why do you think it was unfair? Because yeah, let's go. I cannot go into the details. I didn't testify because the judge made it clear that if I made any mistake or did anything wrong, she was considering contempt. And this judge does have a reputation for putting people in jail. And I thought, honestly, it wouldn't do any good. Do you still believe that what you said about these two women and the weight of the 2020 election was truthful? Do you, do you still believe these claims? I have no doubt. I have no doubt that my comments were made and they were supportable and are supportable today. Still. I just did not have an opportunity to present the evidence that we offered. Did you notice we were not allowed to put in one piece of evidence in defense? Do you also realize that liability is not based on any trial? Liability is based on her disagreement with me on discovery, which so is, ab which is absurd. Because I believe the judge was threatening me with the strong possibility that I'd be held in contempt or that I'd even be put in jail. Did so it didn't, seem, it didn't seem like it was going to do much to persuade anybody. And it could uh, give her what she seemed to be threatening. Did you believe sir, the women's sir, testimony? Do you have any all right. regrets about That's all I have to say. Women. I have, I have. Do you have any regrets about oh, some of the I, comments I, I, that I, you received? Hey, we got to I will, I will. Shh, shh, Do you have any regrets about some of the comments that the women received? Well, of course, the comments they received I had nothing to do with. Those comments are abominable, they're deplorable. No uh, defense to it, but I receive comments like that every day. Uh, different kinds of things. Uh, I've represented clients who have gotten that from the other side. This is a terrible part of our political system. Republicans, Democrats, liberals, and conservatives all get that. Uh, my comments weren't that. And I think that was also a very unfair part of it because my comments had no connection at all to those. There were thousands of things on the pre in the press about this, of which mine were a small amount. There's no way to say that my comments connected to that, but that's going to be part of what we'll get to litigate in a fair court. Thank you. Is that behavior Thank you, everybody. that you officially condemn, sir? Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. You've been listening to Rudy Giuliani respond to uh, an order right now to pay $148 million to a pair of election workers who endured what they said was an avalanche of uh, threatening and racist abuse uh, because it was smeared uh, by Donald Trump and his uh, former attorney. Uh, yeah, Rudy's claims are really supportable. If you have Steve Bannon as the judge and, I don't know, Sidney Powell on the jury, some people are wacky like that, but not Shay Moss. She's rich now. If she can collect, that could be tough. You know, Giuliani's being sued by Eric Coomer as well, also being sued in all of this, the Gateway Pundit, just part of this media infrastructure that I talked about with Brian Stelter but without question, the big dog is Fox News. And that's what I talked about with Brian Stelter. But listen to Shea Moss talk about her thoughts after the verdict. And I thought, wow, you know, a lot of us would never want to go through that. But E. Jean Carroll got $5 million for being raped, and these women get $148 million. Anyway, it's big numbers, and I'm in the business. And sometimes you say, Really? Do you have damages? And they put on an expert who said it would cost $147 million, something like that, to restore these women's good name. 
given how far and wide Rudy and Trump did their thing. So listen to Shea Moss. Here is Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss. It looks like they are going to make their way up to the mic here, uh, Jeff. Uh, okay, let's listen in. Ms. Freeman and Ms. Moss are going to give a brief statement, and they won't be taking any questions after. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Um, my name is Shay Moss. I spent 10 years as an election worker in Fulton County, Georgia. The lies Rudy Giuliani told about me and my mommy after the 2020 presidential election have changed our lives. And the past few years has been devastating. The flame that Giuliani lit with those lies and passed to so many others to keep that flame blazing changed every aspect of our lives. Our homes, our family, our work, our sense of safety, our mental health, and we're still working to rebuild. As we move forward and continue to seek justice, our greatest wish is that no one no election worker or voter or school board member or anyone else ever experiences anything like what we went through. And now listen to Lady Ruby, the mama. I like her. She's got a lot of pride, and she stood up to those bastards, and they did horrible things that made them in fear for their physical safety. I support this verdict, although it might be cut down by a judge. Good luck collecting it, Lady Ruby. I am Lady Ruby. Today's a good day. A jury stood witness to what Rudy Giuliani did to me and my daughter and held him accountable, and for that I'm thankful. Today is not the end of the road. We still have work to do. Rudy Giuliani was not the only one who spread lies about us and others must be held accountable too. But that is tomorrow's work. For now, I want people to understand this. Money will never solve all of my problems. I can never move back into the house that I called home. I will always have to be careful about where I go and who I choose to share my name with. I miss my home, I miss my neighbors, and I miss my name. I feel sort of close to Brian Stelter because of the experience that I had on 11-16-19 with him. He's been a guest before, and now the bell is tolled for him at CNN, but he's still got a great podcast, Inside the Hive, put on by Vanity Fair, and he's a great author. He's a truth teller. I like Brian Stelter, and I appreciate him coming on again. I had him on another episode where Craig Silverman from Canada, a journalist that Brian knows, I know him as well, came up with the term fake news. That was part of Brian's first book, Hoax, and we had that combo on together, first show of October in 2020. I wish the best for Brian Stelter, and when we talk about Hanukkah, it was during the last day of Hanukkah we recorded this on Thursday afternoon.
And he's a beautiful man who has taken on Tucker Carlson, who's an awful dude. Another beautiful man is Dave Gunders, our troubadour. I'd like to think he wrote his beautiful song, Simple Man, for me, kind of like my name, kind of like the Canadian Craig Silverman's name, but my birthday is December 16th, and we talk about that on this special show featuring my friends Brian Stelter and Dave Cunders. One more thing on the outro, because nobody else on Denver Trump Radio would ever play it, the heartfelt words of Hunter Biden. I listen. It's five minutes. I want you to hear it because I think Joe Biden's a good guy, a good father who stood by his son in a tough time, and his son, Hunter, thanks him for it, and he stands up to MAGA, which is what we try to do on this show. Brian Stelter has done it probably better than almost anybody. I'm proud to know I'm proud to put on this show episode 186, Rocks. Enjoy. It's hot in here. Did that toaster catch on fire? It wasn't that. You choked on that bite of burnt bagel. Why is everything all red? The heat is unbearable. Where am I? Excuse me, your dishonor. May I step in on behalf of my client? Mr. Silverman, proceed. Tell me one redeeming good thing your client did. He was a faithful listener to my radio show. Not good enough. He had decency and compassion for his family. He did end-of-life planning with Michael Bailey. The Michael Bailey? That is kind to your loved ones. That is smart and way too decent for this place. Your client can go. And what about me, your despicableness? Why should I? Michael Bailey is my lawyer, too. Go on, then. Get out of here. <laughs> now, part of that was serious, and part of that was fictional. But you will die someday, and if you don't make a legal plan, the government will make one for you. Call my lawyer, Michael Bailey. His rates are reasonable, and he can meet with you and your spouse wherever you want, and on weekends and evenings. 720-394-6887 or online at mblaw.com. LLC.com. Now back to the Fred Silverman Show. Hey, being a lawyer is a matter of judgment. You have to know the law, the facts, but good judgment is essential. If you don't understand how Donald Trump is culpable for the crimes committed in his name, then I question your judgment. I have the good judgment to question Donald Trump. If you want a lawyer like that, instead of a knucklehead who believes in the MAGA propaganda, call Craig, 303-734-7156, 303-734-7156. I am Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Hey, it's Brian. Hey, Brian, it's Craig. I really appreciate you coming on my podcast. I just finished your latest Inside the Hive, which is amazing. So thank you. It gave thank me you. optimism. Simon Rosenberg. Was, that's what I was hoping for. That's what I was hoping for with Simon. Yeah. And you and I have a lot of shared history, and you've had so many things happening to you that I don't expect you to remember at all. But when I got terminated with my mic cut while I was excoriating Trump, then you called me because I followed you. We did DMs, and then next thing I know, I'm on reliable sources, and then <laughs> accusations of a conspiracy, you, me, CNN, and uh, all of a sudden, 
I paid a lot more attention to Brian Stelter, but truth be known, I was watching <laughs> reliable sources consistently, like most of America. Well, not most of America, but most people who like Sunday morning shows. And it's in your book, not enough <laughs> about you and when you left, but that was my favorite Sunday morning show because you told oh, it you. straight. And you put in your book, which is you had good ratings and it didn't cost much to produce. So why the hell did they terminate the show? <laughs> well, you can ask me. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, those of us in Colorado who wonder if it was John Malone, who lives in Elizabeth, Colorado, an mm -hmm. exurb of Denver. And yep. what do you think about that? <laughs> I think a lot about it, but I don't know the answer. So there we go. I don't blame you. You've been following Fox for a long time, and uh, your book is amazing. Uh, Network Thank of you. Lies. And, and here's what you do, Brian. You, you stated at the outset, which is this problem that America is experiencing is in large part due to the concerted efforts of Fox News Channel which almost changed a time or two, but seems to have changed for the worse in response to their audience. And you tell it beautifully, but when American history is written and it's being written by guys like you, you cannot overestimate the role of Fox News. Yeah, I think that's true because Fox has created a parallel reality, an alternative universe for its right-wing audience. Uh, a reality that might be comfortable, might be soothing, might feel really good, but ultimately does a disservice to the people who are watching as, as well as the rest of us. It does a disservice to lie about an election and claim that Trump won when he lost. That actually hurts the viewers uh, to tell that lie over and over again and give them false hope uh, that Trump might be reinstated. So, you know, I, I write in the book about the consequences, the defamation lawsuit, the giant settlement payout to Dominion. Uh, but it's not over yet. It's still going on. There's more cases. There's more lawsuits. There's more versions of accountability. And I, I think it's helpful for us all to, to to stare this straight in the face and see it for what it is. We talk about Dominion a lot because it was headquartered in the old spaghetti factory in downtown Denver, Colorado. Dr. Eric Coomer is the guy who got disparaged by a guy named Joe Altman, claiming he had intercepted an Antifa call, and this Dominion executive was rigging the election, and it chased Coomer out of town. So there's that Colorado litigation going. But wow, you were all over the Delaware litigation. You were expecting a several-month trial. Am I right? There, yes. And uh, I think most people were expecting a, a long, you know, a, a serious trial in Delaware. But now, in retrospect, it's clear that Fox could not afford to have a trial. <laughs> they, they they had to pay $787 million to, to make that possibility of a trial go away. They had to settle out of court because having a trial would have been even costlier, would have been even more painful. Uh, a jury might well have uh, awarded Dominion more than a billion dollars. And reputationally, what would have come out of trial would have been even more excruciating and embarrassing for Fox. So they really, they really had to pay up and they, they really had to find a way to get this go away. You do a beautiful job portraying the Murdochs, but I watched Bill O'Reilly a lot because I started being on that show commenting about Jean Benet Ramsey and Columbine and various things that happened in Colorado, like the prosecution of Kobe Bryant. 
And I'd like to think that Old Fox really wasn't that bad. It's it, You covered it. You were the whiz kid. You knew it back in the day. Am I just romanticizing it, or wasn't Fox kind of okay there for a while? Oh, I, I think Fox has changed dramatically and over the 25 years. And then every turn has been a, a hard turn further to the right and away from reality. That That's the way I think we should measure these things. Not not left or right or or uh, you know pro or con, but let's let's talk about whether it's reality based or whether it's off in a fantasy land, uh, whether it's rooted in fact or whether it's shepherding and promoting fictions. Bill O'Reilly, even though he came from a conservative point of view and a populist agenda and pushed right wing talking points, he was mostly reality based. Was there was there a war on Christmas like he claimed? No, but he was able to cherry pick examples here and there to make his audience worried about Christianity uh, being being uh, minimized in the public square. And he was able to portray a war on Christmas. But at least he was he was coming up with actual factual examples to support his exaggerations. Uh, Bill O'Reilly is tame compared to what Fox is doing now in prime time. It is much more uh, fiction is much, much less rooted in fact. It's much more rooted in, in prejudices and fantasies about the way the world ought to work and, and rage about how, how they think it works um, versus versus the truth. And, you know, I, I can describe it all. I, all I want, all you want, but it's best just for people to, to watch over 10 minutes and, and see, does this, does this feel like, does this look like, does this sound like the America that you know? And I, and I think, I think the answer will be no. Anybody that watches for 10 minutes will hear how, how, uh, ugly and distorted Fox's impression of America is. Um, and, and that's different than the O'Reilly years for sure. Fox is definitely, I, if I had to put it in a sentence, I would say Fox has been radicalized and so has its audience. And it gives me a stomachache. It really makes me feel jumbled up inside because I know some of these guys because the producer booking me more than half the time, well, it was Rob Monaco and it was Jesse Waters who would call and we would shoot the shit. And now when I watch him, I'm like, holy cow. And I used to have him on my radio show, too. Jesse Waters has given into that. I did get to know Steve Ducey a little. He came out to Denver for the convention. We were at an amusement park. And I, I, I see that he's challenging at least a little on this impeachment. But one person we had on with regularity on our radio show, Kaplis and Silverman, back in the day, was Maria Bartiromo, and she was the money honey, and she was smart, and she was funny. What happened to her? I I wish I could explain it uh, with 100% certainty. Uh, I can't, and neither can any of her friends or former colleagues. But I, I think it comes down to, to money and incentives. Uh, Maria Bartiromo's incentives in the Trump years were to get uh, a go full MAGA, to go all in on Trump. And if you, you think about it this way, it might make sense. When she was on CNBC, she sucked up to CEOs. She, she, she became you know cozy with CEOs in the business world. At Fox, her CEO was Trump. And you know her job was to, to get Trump on the air, to flatter him, to schmooze with him, to, to interview him, to throw him softballs and let him hit him over the, 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 the fence. You know, that's what she did. And uh, that's what her audience wanted. The, the incentive was for her to uh, to go full MAGA. Now, I think she probably also always had some some certain values that were aligned with Trump's, but they came out. And, and, and the thing about Maria, and, and I think the thing more broadly as we talk about Fox, is to recognize 
it's not conservative to promote conspiracy theories and and sow division and 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 encourage this kind of polarization. It's not conservative. It's it what, what Maria does and what some of her colleagues do is really about driving conspiracy theories, right? I mean, Maria was on the air one day in 2020 and said, "I have an intel source who says Trump really did win re-election." An intel source? Who? Michael Flynn? You know, she's she was just on the air saying radical and and wacky things. And the, the problem here, Craig, and I think the, the bigger issue is not the individual hosts. The bigger issue is the lack of leadership at the top, the lack of oversight, the lack of an executive to step in and say, what are you talking about? Who's your source? What are you doing? Uh, and in that environment where there is no oversight or the oversight's only um, <laughs> against the journalism and in support of the propagandists, uh, that's what allows and encourages people like Maria to, uh, to do a disservice to the audience. The guy I know best at Fox and who was my guest about seven episodes ago is Geraldo. So you have to get the book Network of Lies because Geraldo is a bit of a hero in my mind. And I knew eventually he would have to step up and go. But the person I don't really know, uh, and I've never met, but I'm a lawyer. And I remember when she was semi-respected out of Westchester County. And Brian Stelter's book really put together a timeline that helped me understand that Trump and Janine Pirro had a bit of a quid pro quo, especially right around the time he was exiting office. I thought that was a great part of your book. Tell everybody. Yeah, it's an interesting thing that happens at the very last day, on the very last day of the Trump presidency. Uh, Trump and Janine Pirro were, were, you know, tied to the hip. They go way back, you know, both New Yorkers. Uh, you know, uh, had been had been friends, legitimately, you know, friendly for decades. And when someone like Trump is elected, someone like Piero views it as a path to her own power, as a benefit to her own career, right? As a, as an advancing her own status. When Trump wins, she wins. But conversely, when Trump loses, she loses. So she becomes one of these hosts on Fox who pushes voter fraud conspiracy theories. And what we learned through the Dominion legal process, through Dominion obtaining all of Fox's internal emails before trial was that Fox executives were disturbed by Janine Pirro's rants. They, they, they wanted to keep her off the air at one point because they thought she was so unhinged. So you did have some executives who knew the truth and who knew this stuff was damaging. Uh, and yet, Pirro was mostly still on. She was preempted once, but she was mostly still on promoting Trump to the very end. So the very end is crucial here because uh, Janine Pirro privately had been pushing for a pardon for her ex-husband, uh, Albert. Uh, he had been uh, convicted of, of, of um, uh, I, I forget exactly what the crimes were. Tax white crimes. Yes, white-collar crimes, tax crimes, you know, 20 years earlier. Uh, she wanted it expunged off his record. And uh, when the final pardon list came out uh, from the Trump White House in the very final, final days of the Trump presidency, uh, Al Albert Pirro's name was not on the list. Uh, and and Janine Pirro was was quite uh, perturbed by that. So uh, literally the morning Trump is leaving the White House, getting on Air Force One, he's flying to Mar-a-Lago, he's departing the White House finally. Uh, his very last act as president was to to, to pardon Janine's husband. Uh, the paperwork had to be uh, worked on by the aides that very morning. It got done. You know, one can only surmise that Janine Pirro was calling that morning in a huff, uh, huffing and puffing, making Trump. Uh, give her this pardon favor. But, you know, I, I think it kind of summarizes the Fox presidency perfectly. Uh, for four years, we had a Fox president, and his final act as Fox president was to pardon a Fox host ex-husband. The other person I got to know back in the day was Jean Benet and various 
uh, Kobe Bryant coverage was Kimberly Guilfoyle. She came to Colorado and we became friendly. And I, I even used, well, I had her on my show a bunch and I thought she was okay. I thought she was a bit of a daddy's girl. I read her biography, et cetera. Never would I have seen this coming. I mean, you didn't devote much to Kimberly Guilfoyle, but you talk about Fox intermixing with the presidency. How about Kimberly Guilfoyle? Yeah, and, and she's a very personal example of that now that she's with Donald Trump Jr. Uh, you know, she was bounced out of Fox a number of years ago, um, but she's a great example of this uh, this this culture. I think a critic would call it a grifter culture, but this this culture of uh, MAGA is going to benefit me. It's going to be personal. Uh, it's it's something that we can we can do to to raise money to to advance a political agenda. You know that it's it's there's really no way to to disentangle the fox of it all from the Trump of it all. Here's what I love about Brian Stelter. He really did book his own show, and I thought that was cool. <laughs> and when we got accused of a conspiracy, I figured, yeah, two Jewish guys in CNN, and then I realized you're not Jewish. Does that mistake happen? I mean. <laughs> it does all the time and i don't mind it one bit i'm i'm proud to be uh to be a jewish emphasis on the ish as george santos right. uh, once claimed um you know my my wife is jewish and uh, so uh, we're celebrating the eighth night of hanukkah uh, right uh, just just a few minutes before i'm right after i'm speaking to you so are we kenora <laughs> beautiful but uh i don't know if if i mean i I've been a Jew named Silverman my whole life, but guys like <laughs> Tucker Carlson and Elon Musk, and you write about Tucker Carlson, he's really one of the top emphasis. You've known him since you were a whiz kid, and you were back <laughs> in the day. Tell everybody about your association with Tucker Carlson, and I found him mildly intelligent and amusing through the years, but never did I think he'd be dangerous to America and Jewish mm, people. Right. And the ADL called them out quite a while ago. And uh, I, I tried to get my broadcast colleagues to take note of that. But no, they still treat him like a hero. His accusations, I mean, you're the expert on Tucker Carlson. I've never met the man. Tell everybody why you decided to focus so hard on him in your great book. Well, in the, in the Trump years, Tucker became the biggest star on Fox. He also became the most unhinged, the most untethered to reality. And there's a connection between those two things. You know, uh, take the House representatives, take the Republican Party's elected officials. How do we go from the era of John Boehner to an era of Mike Johnson? How, how do we go from, from an era of George W. Bush to, to Donald Trump? Well, in the same way, you go from Bill O'Reilly to Tucker Carlson, right, uh, as the biggest star on Fox News. We're, you're moving away from... Uh, respectable, if controversial, conservatism, uh, and and more toward a conspiracy theory-driven model, more toward a a resentment and grievance-driven model, and and that's very much the Tucker story. Uh, I, I think Tucker, as he benefited, as he gained fame and fortune, also became unglued. He became unmoored. I, I think Craig, we might say that he got high on his own supply. You know, he became he he became. You know, convinced of the theories he was pushing on the air, because you know a lot of people often ask, do, do these people believe this stuff? And the answer is sometimes no. Sometimes they don't believe what they're saying. But I think someone like Tucker 
talked himself into believing. <laughs> he so thoroughly seeped himself in this world, in this environment, that he actually started to believe uh, his crazed theories about January 6th, for example. Right, but what about the Great Replacement Theory? Is he a white supremacist? Is he a, a Christian white supremacist? Is he a white nationalist? What is this guy? I hear he's a possibility to be Trump's VP. Right. That's well. Uh, you, you know, certainly Trump has entertained that in public. You know, Trump Trump likes to entertain those kinds of ideas and and act as if anything can happen. I, I think realistically, I don't see a world where Tucker Carlson would be the, the vice president. Uh, I, I think Tucker would frankly view it as a step down, <laughs> but um, he he certainly has the the ear of Donald Trump. He's in the inner circle, so to speak, and, and they share many of the same, uh, well, I don't want to say values because values is the wrong word. They have many of the same resentments. They share, they have many of the same perceived enemies, and that's what counts most, which is, Gosh, I hate to even say that. I know it's sad to say, but it's true. It, it's what counts most, having the same perceived enemies. Did you see that coming when you were a kid interacting with him? Didn't he pay you money? You were <laughs> he, he, Well, yeah, but pay me money. He did. He donated to my blog about 20 years ago when I was an upstart blogger. Uh, I was in college writing about cable news, and, and he, was, uh, he was supportive. Uh, he was an ardent reader. Um, one thing about Tucker is that he cares deeply about the press and the people who write about him, and he wants their attention and he wants their affection. And so I view his support for my blog and his relationship with me as as part and parcel with that, uh, trying to keep that relationship going. You know, look back then he was a an, a a interesting, provocative, contrarian conservative, right? He was a a uh, young, up-and-coming, bow-tie conservative commentator, and uh, you know, did he have certain views that, that made people hold their nose? Sure, but but he he delivered it with a smile, right? And he was very much a part of the establishment in Washington, and he has since, of course, declared war on that establishment and uh, claimed that they're all crooked and evil. Um, and again, in that way, he's like Trump. He uh, was from the class that he now uh, now attacks. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you do such a good timeline. And it, it was when they started that box streaming and he put out that Patriot Purge and my buddy Geraldo objected to that and got disciplined. I remember all that. Your book is amazingly up to date, but there's a couple things <laughs> that you. happen every day. I mean, uh, the association of Elon Musk, one further anti-Semitism that he kind of walked back, but just the fact that he associates with Tucker Carlson and now with Alex Jones. What what about this new media environment? This is your wheelhouse. Elon Musk, Tucker Carlson right. together. Right. I, I that that scares me. Well, let me say two things about it. Number one, uh, it is very much an alt-right, very far hard-right uh media environment that's being that's being supported by the likes of Elon Musk and Tucker Carlson. Uh it's an environment where uh there's very little news reporting going on, basically none. And instead of news reporting, just a, 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 a torrent of propaganda, right? A sludge of, of nonsense, of noise. Um, but, but let me say as well, it's not reaching nearly as many people <laughs> uh -huh. as they would like it to reach. Right. I mean, I think it's significant to say, you know, that, 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 that X is not X, X as a business is failing. Right. Tucker Carlson as a streaming service operator is far less influential than he was on Fox. So I think it's important to note, even though 
the the views are noxious and need to be taken on head on. He's yeah, you know, my personal view is that Tucker will never be as as prominent or influential as he was when he was on Fox. Right. And X Twitter, uh, it stinks now. I'm still on it just to <laughs> see what you're up to. What other social media do you use? Do you Well, I, I use threads now as well. I use Instagram more and more. I post on Facebook. I, I will never give up on Twitter because I, I met my wife on Twitter. I still have so many friends on Twitter and I now call it X. I, I value the networks I've created there. But you know, sadly, it is an environment that is much more poisonous than it was five years ago. Any any desire to stamp out disinformation has been replaced by a desire to promote it on the part of Musk and his allies. And so I just I use it knowing that I use it accordingly. Right. Craig? Like I, I just I know what I'm right. getting when I log in. I think as long as you know what you're getting when you log in, <laughs> that goes a long way. All right. Here's your Hanukkah spiel to your little kids tonight. You say, like, this world <laughs> is confusing and. Uh, but then there's Alex Jones, and he's a bad guy. So anybody who's associated with Alex Jones, just use that as a little bit of a template. You know what you convinced me of? And I've been following every inch of the legal twists and turns in the politics, too. But you really make the point, and there's your wheelhouse with data, ratings, and polls, that when... Donald Trump got busted in Mar-a-Lago. That really turned everything in his favor this cycle, just because of some victim mentality and the way they've uh, inculcated belief in a deep state and Joe Biden's uh, the head of mm. a crime family. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I would have thought as a lawyer, it's a bad thing to get charged with violating. <laughs> but, you know, so, but you kind of showed me, well... You were wrong, Craig, especially for Republican voters. I uh, well, that's the that's the key point. The, the last point is the key, which is we're talking not about all Americans, but about a subset of the Republican Party, not the entire Republican Party. We're talking about a subset of a party that is in thrall, that has a cult-like relationship with this cult-like leader. So, uh, I think about Trump this way. I think he has a high, he has a high. Um, uh, floor, but he has a low ceiling. He has a high floor, meaning the people that are with him are with him no matter what. It's very hard for him to attract more people. It's very hard for him to raise his floor, uh, to, sorry, to raise his ceiling, <laughs> to, to raise his support. So if three in 10 Americans are with him no matter what, uh, they were certainly animated and and um, and empowered or, or reju- rejuvenated by the Mar-a-Lago um, raid. They were they, they look at what's happening to Trump and they they believe him when he says that he's the victim unless they are the victim as well. But they're not the entire Republican Party. And that's why I'm so interested in what's happening to the party as a whole, right? And the the, the fight against Trump. What is it now, Craig? Six six out of ten GOP voters are with Trump. That means four out of ten are not. And so that battle within the party is the most interesting art, art fight in politics um, because, they, you know, as a party, well, what are they going to do? And I think they're probably going to side with Trump because six is, six is higher than four. But that fight's, a, you know, a critical fight. And can he actually raise his, his ceiling or not? I know who's been influencing you. Simon Rosenberg on your excellent podcast for <laughs> Vanity Fair, Inside yes. the Hive. And he's optimistic, too. And he explains it beautifully like you just did well he made he made a great point on the podcast this week thank you for listening to it uh on the inside the high podcast here's the point simon rosenberg made that that was really interesting he said if this is a ref if 2024 is a referendum on trump 
then Trump loses. Um, if it's a referendum on Biden, then Biden loses. What I see so far is that this is an environment where it's going to be a referendum on Trump. Trump is the aberration. Trump is the abnormality. Trump is the, is the scandal. Biden, not so much. Uh, maybe that'll change. Anything could happen in the next 11 months. But so far, that seems to be the case. Well, I heard the wild cards. And to quote the great Alphonse Capone, whoever calls him great except Donald Trump, we know he's going to use violence. And right now, plots are being disrupted. Whatever violence, we know he will use that. And he probably perceives that he's got uh, this ceiling that he can't win without some disruption. And the other thing I worry about is AI, because so many things Mm. can be done to cheat that way. And this guy is the biggest cheater in the world. I had Rick Riley on my podcast early on in his book, Commander and Cheat. He invents ways to cheat at golf that nobody could ever think of. And then he wears down (laughs) the pro until they award him the club championship. He just wears them down. And he'll do anything. He'll take it to extraordinary levels. He'll drive his cart up fast to the green and throw your ball in the sand trap before you can see it. He's that kind of a cheater. And with AI, Brian, oh my gosh. What will ha- <laughs> I mean, what will happen? Have you thought about that? I, I have, and I've been glad to see that some companies are taking action. Uh, recently, there was a video, a deep fake video of an NBC reporter uh, doing a live shot. And the live shot was distorted, was faked to make it sound like he was promoting Trump and criticizing all of Trump's rivals for the nomination. And rather than let that video just make the rounds and trick people, I mean, it almost tricked me until I realized it was a fake. Uh, rather than letting that make the rounds and, and just do more damage, NBC uh, went, went, went at it and, and, and followed up with the Trump campaign and called it out. And I think that's important. That's going to have to keep happening. We, we have to hold the line when it comes to this attempt to distort reality and create a different, you know, different, totally different reality. We, we've got to hold the line and, and speak up. And, and companies like NBC and CNN and all the rest, they're going to have to step in and intervene in those moments where their content is weaponized, where their content is distorted, where there are AI videos that are, are pretending to be their networks that are not. Um, it's not easy and it's, it's going to be uncomfortable in some cases to, to take these stands, but it's going to be necessary because I, I share your concern about what can happen in that AI-driven disinformation environment. But let me just say one positive point. I do think many people are already in on it, and they don't want to be fooled. Most people don't want to be tricked by this stuff. Most people don't want to be deceived. They want to know what is true in the world, (laughs) not what is made up. And, you know, real news outlets have a critical role in helping them do that. Is Vanity Fair a news outlet? Is it entertainment? It's prestigious. Tell us about your association with them. Yeah, sure. So I'm uh, hosting a podcast for them every week uh, and also occasionally writing for Vanity Fair. One of the great things for me uh, after being booted by CNN has been living the freelance life and writing for lots of different outlets and learning what it's like at, at Esquire versus The Hollywood Reporter or Airmail versus Vanity Fair. You know, it's been really fun to play the field, so to speak, and, and write for lots of different places. So I've been doing that and then hosting a podcast for Vanity Fair every week. Uh, is it news? Is it entertainment? Uh, you know, Vanity Fair is, is definitely a valuable news brand, you know, covering the culture, uh, which also includes covering entertainment, right, and, and covering Hollywood. Uh, but I, I've been focusing more on the politics side for them. You know what I got a kick out of, and I'm about to let you go, but it's the last part of any case. And you kind of came into my world covering civil litigation and 
boy, did you do your research and read the book and you'll understand that. But the thing that makes this such great settlement for Dominion is that they got the check, they got the money. First of all, you have to persuade some fact finder that when you claim gazillions of dollars, anybody can say that, but proving your damages is difficult, just like Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss right now with Rudy Giuliani. Yes, they were damaged, but is that $100,000? Is it $100 million? I mean, that's up to Americans sitting in a jury box. But, you know, the whole concept of damages runs through your book and this Smartmatic litigation that I'm sure you're still following. Do you see what I'm saying? It, 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 it's easy to throw out a number, but actually collecting that is, is where yes. great lawyers earn their money. And the fact that Fox agreed to settle for nearly $800 million is an admission. It's an admission they were culpable. It's an admission that they, they, they did a lot of damage. Now, Smartmatic is going to want even more money, and so that case is still pending, as you indicated. Uh, these cases, though, you know, they're critical because they're about accountability for the big lie. Uh, all of us were damaged by, by these lies in 2020. Our democracy was assaulted. Some people listened to these lies on television and they booked plane tickets to Washington and they flew to D.C. for the rally and then they stormed the Capitol. Not because they, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it didn't come out of nowhere, right? They weren't, they weren't actors. They weren't told to do it by the feds the way that Tucker Carlson claims. They were poisoned by these lies. They were fed this misinformation. Uh, and, it, and it happened for a reason, right? It happened to advance a political cause, a dead-end political cause by Trump and his allies. That's why we've got to be paying attention to this still now today and, and for the foreseeable future um, because the damages are real. And gosh, they're almost they're almost impossible to quantify with a dollar figure. So, you know, Dominion gets a lot of money out of it, sure. Some lawyers get richer. Uh, but it was also a public signal that Fox knew that it had done damage. And uh, as you mentioned, Smartmatic is suing. There are shareholder lawsuits as well. There are defamation lawsuits by some individuals who say they were defamed by Fox. So people are using the courts to try to obtain accountability. You are so generous with your time and generous with your subject matter, because if you want the definitive book of Fox News role in The Big Lie, complete with a beautiful timeline, it's Brian Stelter's book. But the way you're generous is, I think Steve Bannon, who you touch on with his podcast that pops up mm -hmm. in so many people's phones, and then the role of talk radio, which I kind mm -hmm. of experienced and why you had me yeah. on the show. I saw yeah. the turn there. Salem right. Media, Hugh right. Hewitt, Dennis Prager. There was too much for your book, but Joe Walsh, another <laughs> frequent guest. But you know what I mean? The big lie had several media tentacles. Yes. Well, I would read I would read your book about that. That's absolutely true. Okay. Radio Radio cannot be discounted. It's such an intimate, uh, just like podcasts, it's such an intimate medium uh, to be in people's ears, uh, whether, you're, whether you're feeding them facts or fictions makes a huge, huge difference. And, and just uh, my final thought is she coached me through this book. I, I mean, Hugh Hewitt and Dennis Prager, I thought they were moderate. I thought they were the educated Rush Limbaugh's that wouldn't go there in a crisis. They wouldn't embrace white Christian nationalism. But Salem went in a whole hog. I was even there a day at the White House. They invited me and my partner 
and we broadcast from there the first year of the Trump administration. So yeah. I think there is a story. Did do you interact with those guys at all, like Hugh Hewitt? I, I I haven't, but I think what happens is when you believe, when you again you you high on your own supply, when you convince yourself that America is in its death throes, when you convince yourself this is an existential battle against an evil, perverted enemy <laughs> called called liberal. You know, when you convince yourself that this is do or die, then then you become an extremist. And, and that's what's happened with a lot of these far-right media figures. And is there a religious component? Because I don't get it. Maybe that's because I'm going to light the well, candles. Well, I think there definitely, I think there definitely is something with some hosts more than others. But I think there is obviously a connection between Christian nationalism and this far-right media movement, definitely. Right. And Donald Trump taking full advantage. I've taken full advantage of my time with Brian Stelter. Thank you, man. Good luck with your book. Everybody should buy it. Network of Lies. <laughs> Thank you Subscribe so much. to Great Inside to the Hype. Great talking to you, Brian. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. He's the best lawyer I know because he's my lawyer. He's Michael Bailey. I think you pioneered this mobile estate planning, and lots of lawyers are doing it now. And boy, are your clients happy and satisfied. It's convenient for the client. It certainly is fun to be able to go and visit people where they are, whether it's at your house or at one of the offices just to make it more convenient for you. And then it's more fun for me because I get to go out and about and meet people all over the place and help them out. What's the website, Michael? It is mobileestateplanning.com. What's the best phone number to call? 720-394-6887 is my direct line. Michael Bailey, that's our lawyer. Trish loves him, I do too. Thanks, Michael. You're welcome, Craig. Hey, everybody, for all of your legal needs, why not start with me? 734-7156-303-734-7156. I've been practicing law in Colorado for over 42 years, and I know a lot of people. And if I can't do right by you, I can steer you in the right direction. My number, 303-734-7156. Ask for Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims, a voice for people with legal difficulties. Troubadour, thanks again for coming over. It's getting close to the end of the year, and it's kind of a special day. Why is that, Craig? Well, Hanukkah is just ending. I know what you're saying. Happy birthday. I'm just teasing. And it's Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Yes, it Happy is my birthday. Bur- Thank you. You probably Thanks. you probably don't want to tell tell your listening audience how old you are. I will. Because I'm a public record and I'm younger than you. And six uh, eight is the height that I think would have allowed me to dominate in division one basketball. But I was six five, so I had to do it in division three. Okay, right. so I like the concept of six eight. So you're six eight now. In fact, CC Colorado College has Cherry Creek kid who's six eight named Adam Nofziger, and I think, wow, if I would have been six eight, 
You're distracting your audience from the fact that you're an old man now. I am old, but you wrote me a song. I've been waiting for this forever. Thank you. Thank you. Is it for my birthday? Sure. <laughs> you didn't write me a song. Can I make this <laughs> song mine? Because yeah, you can make it yours. I'm a simple man. I don't think so. Silver man, simple man. It's like that joke in the bar, right? The guy who's ripping on Jews for everything, started all the wars, made COVID, they sunk the Titanic. Right. And I said, you know, what the hell, man? That was an iceberg. And he said, iceberg, Goldberg, Silverberg, what's the difference? Okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm a simple man with simple jokes like that. I bet you've heard that before. No, you're not, you're not a simple man. Neither am I, and this song is about guys like us. Actually, we're we're not, but we meet. It's it's a um, we're kind of uh, juxtaposed um, against a the I, the concept of being simple. And when I say simple, I'm talking like more zen, you know, simple as in just um, you know living the day, living the hours as they come to you, and and being being here now and that kind of thing. But so many of us are are uh, you know. We're, we're, we're trapped in our thoughts. We're not really being present and this and that. So that's what I'm talking about. But you do describe, how do you put it, just another guy um, with the divine spark? We all have a divine spark. Sure. That's kind of the basis of our faith. And then you have that passing train, which you frequently do. But the most interesting thing about the song is midway through, you say what? No simple man? Right, right. Is there a comma there? I'm not a simple man. Is it like no comma simple man? I don't know, Craig. You're going to have to. Have you heard about that controversy with the comma with Mike Pence's book? Oh. Here's what happened. He's quoted as telling the president, you know, I don't have, I don't think I have the authority to do what you're asking. Right. So it's like one interpretation, if you put a comma in, such as was in the book, but he apparently told Jack Smith that he told Trump. You know. You I know I don't think I have the authority. Like, quit bothering me. Doesn't sound like pants to me. Well, who knows? But the placement of a comma, but you're telling us, and usually you don't reveal that much. I'm a little hurt that this song wasn't about me, but you are diving into the words, and you are saying unequivocally that this dude is not a simple man. Right. He's not. He's he, me. He's, he's me, you. And, and he can be you today. Oh, he's you. Yeah, he's See, me. that's sure. just the most you... Sure. You don't reveal that's what, what mood were you in when you me. wrote this. He's me. I was in the mood of a, of a guy who's you not, turning 70? Who, who needs to work, work on things, work on things, take life as it comes. Um, no, I was well before that. <laughs> when well you were 6'8"? Yeah, well before that. It's a great song, and it's got a different ending again. Do you remember that one? No. You just hit one kind of ominous note. Right. That's not normal oh, for you. Oh, right, right. There is kind of a hanging, right, it kind of hangs at the end. Right, doesn't resolve. That was your choice? Yes. You make all the choices on this. I probably forgot the chord that would have resolved it. You never know what happens when you're recording. But, right. So it's like me. It's unresolved, even on my birthday. Yeah. 
Okay, you can't tie everything up in a neat bow, or you shouldn't try. There's a keyboard in there, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. I love piano. Right. Mark DeVere played beautiful um, keyboard on that. I think he played, uh, aside from piano, he probably played a synthesizer line, strings. It's yeah. a beautiful song and background singers at the end. Were there? I think so. You know more about this. Anyway, no, I, I bring it back to you. Let's let everybody give a listen on my birthday. Thanks for doing this. Can you give me the song for one day and I can become you? You can. Except you, not as old. <laughs> you can do that. And uh, happy birthday. Thank you, Troubadour. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Here's the beautiful song, Simple Man, by Dave Gunders, our Troubadour.
Michael, of course, is a great sponsor of my show, but more than that, he's my lawyer, my end-of-life planning lawyer, and I've got two dogs. What about you? I have two dogs right now as well. And not only do you love your dogs at home with your kids and your wife, but you get involved with dog issues in your law practice. Tell everybody about that. So I will write pet trusts, which is, you can earmark money to take care of your pets. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, they've got their dogs and you know, they love their dogs. But then if somebody were to, you know, if you if you were to pass away, you know, who's going to take your dogs? Who would, who would love your dogs as much as you do? I don't know that anybody would love your dogs as much as you do. But like, I grew up with dogs. And so if I were to pass away, then my parents or my siblings could take the dogs. So when you set up a pet trust, you can dictate who's going to get those dogs and then who you can leave money to take care of the dogs as well. I like working with you and I think you are ahead of your time. You have 15 different locations. How cool is that? It's, it is nice to be able to go to all the different locations and you know meet people where it's comfortable and more convenient for them. And nobody wants to drive from one part of Metro Denver to the other to meet with a lawyer. You will come to them. Yep. And I'll deal with traffic so you don't have to. Tell us how people can get in touch with you. My direct phone number is 720-394-6887. Or they can go to my website, which is mobileestateplanning.com. And again, that's mobileestateplanning.com. And there's even a schedule, you know, there's a book an appointment link on this on the website. All right, Michael Bailey. Thank you. Okay, here's the thing. You've been hurt. Maybe, God forbid, someone's been killed. You don't know what to do. If it happened in Colorado, please get a hold of me. Check out my website, craigscoloradolaw.com. Craigscoloradolaw.com because I have four decades of experience. Sadly, I've helped a lot of people who have been hurt terribly through no fault of their own. 303-734-7156. Please call Craig. Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. 303-734-7156. So I told you it would be a great show. Dave Gunders, thank you for Simple Man. I'm taking it personally on my birthday. Brian Stelter, what a great guest. I think Joe Biden's a fundamentally good man and a good father. He proved it with Hunter. He's faced some crises and having an adult son with an addiction. That's one of those. But he saw him through, and Hunter's not a throwaway guy. He went to Yale Law School, for crying out loud. Graduated, passed the bar, worked as a lawyer. Georgetown before that. He's not a throwaway person. He's not just a political piñata. And I want you to hear what he said when he went to the Capitol the other day to confront James Comer and Jim Jordan and all these Republicans who just want to do Trump's bidding. 
Enjoy the week. We'll be back for a Christmas show next week. Thanks for being on my birthday show. And give a listen to Hunter Biden. Thank you. I'll see you again. Let's listen in to Hunter Biden. Any legitimate questions Chairman Comer and the House Oversight Committee may have for me? I'm here today to make sure that the House Committee's illegitimate investigations of my family do not proceed on distortions, manipulated evidence, and lies. And I'm here today to acknowledge that I've made mistakes in my life and wasted opportunities and privileges I was afforded. For that, I'm responsible. For that, I'm accountable. And for that, I'm making amends. But I'm also here today to correct how the MAGA right has portrayed me for their political purposes. I am first and foremost a son, a father, a brother, and a husband from a loving and supportive family. I'm proud to have earned degrees from Georgetown University and Yale Law School. I'm proud of my legal career and business career. I'm proud of my time serving on a dozen different boards of directors. And I'm proud of my efforts to forge global business relationships. For six years, MAGA Republicans, including members of the House committees who are in a closed door session right now, have impugned my character, invaded my privacy, attacked my wife, my children, my family, and my friends. They've ridiculed my struggle with addiction, they've belittled my recovery, and they have tried to dehumanize me all to embarrass and damage my father, who has devoted his entire public life to service. For six years, I have been the target of the unrelenting Trump attack machine shouting, where's Hunter? Well, here's my answer. I am here. Let me state as clearly as I can My father was not financially involved in my business, not as a practicing lawyer, not as a board member of Burisma, not in my partnership with a Chinese private businessman, not in my investments at home nor abroad, and certainly not as an artist. During my battle with addiction, my parents were there for me. They literally saved my life. They helped me in ways that I will never be able to repay. And of course, they would never expect me to. And in the depths of my addiction, I was extremely irresponsible with my finances. But to suggest that is grounds for an impeachment inquiry is beyond the absurd. It's shameless. There's no evidence to support the allegations that my father was financially involved in my business because it did not happen. James Comer, Jim Jordan, Jason Smith, and their colleagues have distorted the facts by cherry picking lines from a bank statement, manipulating texts I sent, editing the testimony of my friends and former business partners, and misstating personal information that was stolen from me. 
There is no fairness or decency in what these Republicans are doing. They have lied over and over about every aspect of my personal and professional life. So much so that their lies have become the false facts believed by too many people. No matter how many times it is debunked, they continue to insist that my father's support of Ukraine against Russia is the result of a non-existent bribe. They displayed naked photos of me during an oversight hearing. And they have taken the light of my dad's love, the light of my dad's love for me and presented it as darkness. They have no shame. These same committee chairmen have engaged in unprecedented political interference in what would have already been a five-year investigation of me. Yet, here I am, Mr. Chairman, taking up your offer when you said we can bring these people in for depositions or committee hearings, whichever they choose. Well, I've chosen. I am here to testify at a public hearing today to answer any of the committee's legitimate questions. Republicans do not want an open process where Americans can see their tactics, expose their baseless inquiry, or hear what I have to say. What are they afraid of? I'm here. I'm ready. Thank you for listening. Tune in live every Saturday morning, 9 to noon, Mountain Time. Visit thecraigsilvermanshow.com for the podcast, blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe on all major podcasting platforms to be updated when new episodes are available. This has been The Craig Silverman Show.